0: Hey, hi! Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is The Other Thing I Do. My guest this week is Johnny Sun a playwright, humorist, and low-key Twitter god whose first book, Everyone's a Aliabin When You're an Aliabin Too, comes out June 27th from HarperCollins. I've seen a few pages of it, and you should buy it. Johnny picked Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End, collectively known as the Cornetto Trilogy. Directed by Edgar Wright, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, all of whom first worked together on the delightful Channel 4 series Spaced, These films span nearly a decade of creative collaboration and perfect pop fizz, dancing through genres and themes with a confidence and intelligence that immediately sets them apart from other comedies. Uh, They're also not exclusively comedies. They're practically perfect expressions of the types of stories they choose to tell, commenting on familiar tropes while simultaneously investing them with new resonance and meaning. They are not spoofs. They are never spoofs. They're tributes. And if you think that an hour isn't nearly enough time to get into these movies, well, you're right. But we do what we can, and Johnny finds some really interesting angles on the trilogy as a single work of art that, you know, make the whole thing worthwhile. This is someone else's movie.
1: I think I was in... What year did Shaun of the Dead come out? Like, 2004? I mean, yeah. 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 I was, like, I was 14 okay. at that point. And so, like, that was when I... That was, like, just the point in my life when I started getting into, like, movies, like, really, really into movies. And Shaun of the Dead was, like, probably, like, instrumental to my 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 entire like life at that point and it mm-hmm. became just like I think I like internalized so many aspects of it and it um it keeps surprising me because every time like I do something um I realize like there are elements of like Edgar Wright and Shaun of the Dead and everything that like keeps popping up it's wonderful yeah it was um oh my god I mean it it really like made me fall in love with. Like genre films, I Mm -hmm. guess, and if like I really got into zombies because of this movie, okay, Um, which is like obviously like the most surface like topic uh, when we talk about Shaun of the Dead, but it um, it got me into zombies and it got me into like this idea that um, you can do kind of like a comedy based in genre but without it being spoof,
0: right? Right. Well, that's that was the first thing I thought of when you said that the zombies were like it's not it's a perfectly functional zombie movie mm-hmm. and a perfectly functional romantic comedy. I mean, yeah. That's the thing that's that everybody misses. That Edgar Wright doesn't make spoofs. He right. salutes things. He oh, sort yeah. of finds the reasons that they work. It's like the best cover songs. Yeah. Because you're reminded of all the things about this format that you already love and then you get to experience it from the inside out right. in a whole new way. And, and yeah, I... Uh, uh, when, uh, did you see it
1: theatrically? Did you watch it? on PISC? I think I watched it. I I don't think I watched it in theaters. Um, okay. I think I remember we rented it from Blockbuster. Oh, Aww, uh, and when VHS still existed, and people are gonna miss that. Yeah, stuff. I know. <laughs> um, and so yeah, I watched it um, on TV, and it really is like a. It's an homage, right? It's mm-hmm. um, and just the like the the way they kind of like they it they clearly were in love with like the genre and the structure because they knew every single like point, like they knew everything to touch on mm-hmm. when talking about zombies and like they, they constructed it lovingly. And, um, it was, yeah, the first time I watched it, I didn't really know what to expect. Okay.
0: Had you seen the Romero films? Or were you familiar with? Them? I was, I, I
1: can't remember what the order was, but I think this might've been, I think I'd seen the Romero films, mm-hmm. definitely Dawn of the Dead. Okay. Um, and, I think, when did the, the new? Remake? Yeah, when did yeah, the remake? Two thousand three. Right so before. okay, so I think I had seen the remake, and then I'd seen the original, and then I saw this one, and I didn't know what to expect for this. I thought it would kind of be a like a spoofy kind of movie because scary the scary movie franchise was around that time yeah, as well, yeah. and so but I picked this up and I like fell in love with it immediately because it it was like it was a zombie movie. It like served and functioned as. Um, I think one of like the best zombie movies. Um, yeah, that, right? absolutely.
0: I, I remember seeing it, I saw it at a ten AM press screening oh, with a couple of friends who were big fans of, of uh spaced Peg and yes, my show. Yeah. And I'd never seen it. Uh-huh. I was completely new to their to their thing. Yeah. And as soon as they found out there was a press screening they're like, Oh can we come? Can we come? Can we come? Yeah. And they're they're both English, so I asked, you know, Yeah, can they be my interpreters? huh. Can they, can I bring these people along and, right. you know, and see how they respond to it? And within five minutes it didn't matter mm-hmm. I, was, I was under the spell I was into it yeah. but the the thing that really surprised me is that it's legitimately disturbing mm. that opening sequence is both very funny and, yeah. and and charming and also really creepy yeah and right off the bat it's telling you it's going to function in both right exactly worlds and that, And then it's this incredible tightrope walk and a thrilling like it's you're watching this incredible piece of uh, of of Athleticism as they navigate yeah. the two. Yeah. And then you can't. The, when it was over, I was just so happy <laughs> that it hadn't gone wrong. Right. Because like, so many of these movies start so well, and then just mm-hmm. every zombie movie seems to end the same way where people are the real problem, and there's. Yeah. You know, where they, people turn on. The Romero films are always about how humanity turns on exactly. each other to the point where now you just start picking, you know, who's going to turn when, and yeah. it's pretty easy to tell. Yeah. And with, with Shaun of the Dead, you also have this. You don't have humans as the problem, mm-hmm. really. I mean, Sean is the problem.
1: Right, yeah. and It's self. It's like self versus self. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: every choice he makes is actually bad <laughs> right. uh, for someone else. Right. But you also get this incredible narrative arc about someone who is finally growing. I mean, it's an arrested development metaphor, yeah. but you, you get the story of someone who grows up by losing everyone around him Yeah. and fighting for what's important. And it's just subsequent viewings not the first time the first time I was too giddy yeah but every yeah. subsequent viewing I cry I mean right. it just reduces me to tears because oh it's gosh. this really moving uh, arc yeah. I hate saying arc it sounds so cliche uh-huh, Yeah. But his I, journey uh, is you're right <laughs> uh, but it's so powerful and, right. and even just that that last little tip of you know player two has entered the game it's just yeah. you know suddenly it all snaps together and, oh and that's the thing that that Edgar and Simon Pegg can do that I don't think anyone else is doing right now right. where they just layer meticulously yeah. every single thing that you need and then bring it back around for this, yeah. this triumphant finale. They, right. they make a crescendo where there shouldn't be one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. It's
1: like such a perfect, like, yeah, the, the way they like set everything up and foreshadow everything and like reference, um, like each of, each of the three films in the trilogy mm-hmm. do the thing where like, um the like first act i guess kind of sets up it's um it's like a what's it called in like an in a symphony when you it's like your theme right it's oh the your overture yeah it's yeah. like an overture right? it, it, it you it sets it up and then it like repeats subsequently and with like like with shawn of the dead um it's it's when you have that scene where he's walking to the store right and then it repeats mm-hmm. um but there are so many of those moments and I see like Sean as like a a, two, a two-parter almost right like before the zombie stuff and then like after the zombie stuff right. happens yeah. and so you have all these like delightful mirrors and um, like setups and payoffs and just it's I can watch that movie like over and over again because you'll find something new every time
0: yeah. um, have you seen the little 15 minute the whiteboard sequence? The, on oh, the dvd yeah. no oh I it's don't magnificent think so. yeah. before they started principal photography uh-huh. um edgar and simon and i'm just gonna call them by their first names because yeah. <laughs> that yeah. sounds weird but i love them right uh it's like we know them I, <laughs> yeah, yeah you've i met wish them, right? i yeah, yeah i've interviewed them uh, and and nick frost a couple of times yeah. and uh it is every time it's like picking up a conversation that i've been having with them through their work for right. for years and right. Once I, I pitched I was I was fully prepared to do this. Still am if there's anyone listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I pitched Edgar on a book about Sean. Oh wow it's a little ECW pop classic. Sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he said, Sure. Oh cool. And so there, that's it. Yeah. I know. Him. <laughs> um But but the idea that they this thing that they did, and yeah. it's on the D V D and the Blu-ray, uh-huh. they sat in front of a camera and showed the camera and by extension all of us, the this big Paper oh I, ha- I did did that yes, yes where I they did lay see out that. Yeah, every yeah. theme and every yes movement. no one else is doing that and they should be everyone should Right be. yeah and I was actually I was going to bring up how like
1: um I whatever the DVD I had um mm-hmm. also had they there were so many like special features loaded into yeah. that thing that showed how the thing was made and like by watching those special features I kind of learned about like filmmaking like oh, I that was like and I was just thinking about how we don't really I don't watch special features anymore because I just stream movies now. Mm -hmm. And I, like, really miss that kind of, like, the commentary and, like, the... The Special features and all the, the yeah. making things. Apparently,
0: yeah. there are nowadays in the present, yeah. The iTunes is carrying things as extras, okay. but they're not backfilling, so all the oh. stuff that was released on disk is still on disk, yeah. And that's apparently staying on disk, it's just not migrating into the new formats, oh, which I is see. why you know we're sitting in a temple of physical media, yeah. It's, it's yeah. not going anywhere, yeah. Um, but yeah, the stuff on, on Sean and on Hot Fuzz, and uh-huh. the subsequent edition of the, the super special edition yeah. of his commentaries, and the the world's end sort of fully formed first time out mm-hmm. I think and Scott Pilgrim what what's going now what what happens with an Edgar Wright movie is this massive documentation and this celebration of itself yeah right off the bat and yeah. I, I I mean I honestly can't get enough of them I, yeah. I, I find them absolutely fascinating and and the work the layering the the structural mm-hmm. the integrity of them. Yeah. These projects, they're never, like, the the day he makes a movie that's just about its plot, I'll be shocked. Oh, yeah. Maybe even disappointed. Right. Because it's
1: so, it it constantly is, like, looking in on itself and kind of folding over and, like, there are so many different ways in, right? And it's, like, so, um, I've never, like, seen films that are that rewarding to a viewer and that rewarding to, like, a close reader. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I, like, I really, I love obsessing over over movies right and and like trying to notice everything in the background and every single like little detail that happens and they make it pay off in the most beautiful ways yeah um, and
0: not in a in a mechanical way there yeah. is I mean there is a mechanism in Hot Fuzz because it's an action movie and yeah. there's a level of escalation and those things have to happen in yeah. that order uh-huh. but and I suppose the structure of a zombie film dictates what happens in Sean mm-hmm. uh, from scene to scene but you never feel like you're being handed the second part of a baton. Right. Um, the dogs look up joke that runs through Shaun of the Dead or the, uh, the the Winchester not having a real gun. Yeah. Like that's that pays off. But then right. it, it's also... It develops another level when they start arguing over what you call a shotgun shell. And yeah. <laughs> like it, it isn't enough. They're not, they're not satisfied with simply paying off the bit. Right. It's... Yeah. Another step has to be made or else right. they, I, I suspect they will... I mean, I've never really asked about this and I'd love to know like, how long it took to come to those moments to yeah. just decide that, that Ed is a know-it-all about things that don't matter and so is that where it came from or did it just evolve out of the characters? Or right. The 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 Yeah, the prep, the amount of, of layering yeah. and preparation is just incomprehensible to <laughs> right. these things arrive fully formed. Yeah, and, and the
1: fact that... Um, I think part of the reason why it doesn't feel like um, like a joke-set-up payoff thing no. um, in, a, like, a cheesy way is because a lot of the payoffs aren't, like, spelled out entirely for the audience, sure, right? right? Like, they um, one of my favorite things that I just noticed this time, I watched, like, Shaun of the Dead this morning. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> was um, when, in the first act, they, um, Ed, Nick Frost's character, is talking about snake hips, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who's, like, uh, he he's like always surrounded by women and he's like the kind of playboy and then um in when they go through the backyards during the zombie part mm-hmm. you see a bunch of female zombies eating snake hip's body <laughs> uh and you see his boots right and like there's that i never noticed that oh, okay. until this time and i was like oh my god like there's there are so many layers to yeah. this
0: and there, there's textual stuff, and then there's referential stuff that isn't just a passing reference. But the the doppelgang moment yeah. when they run into the other group, yeah, they're organized. Not only are they organized in rough approximation of each having the other, uh-huh. but they're also lined up in that. Oh, uh, there's someone from the office as well, and in the place like yes, C. Davis is there. Martin Freeman is there. They're they they're, they're magnificently <laughs> yeah. the echoing is just yeah. it's so playful and fun right. and it's so serious in the moment that yeah. you don't have time to process it right I mean I I noticed that I, I got the gag the first time yeah and uh-huh. then Immediately went back. I think it must have been opening night that Kate hadn't seen it uh-huh. uh, at the press screening. She couldn't, she was working a day job at the time. Yeah. So I dragged that Friday night. I was like, no, we're going to see this now. Yeah. You just saw it. I know. <laughs> I you have to see it. Yeah, and I yeah. have to see it again. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm laughing at different beats because right. knowing what's about to happen, I could actually look at the actors' faces. And it's just, it goes by so quickly. And that's this is what I love about, about writing pegs, writing. They yeah. don't care if you can keep up with it. Oh, yeah. And they don't really care if you get the joke. Yeah. Like, they're
1: excited about making the joke it yeah. feels like right and the moment yeah. still
0: plays yeah that's it can be funny later right yeah. now we're in a movie about monsters right uh and the same way hot fuzz just has this incredible uh bromance for yeah. lack of a better term it's a legitimate love story yeah. running through it that isn't really important right on uh, to the narrative unfolding but the second time through you just realize just how warm the film is mm-hmm. and how all of these giant action sequences are actually in service of the friendship plot that every other buddy movie pays lip service to, but doesn't really care about.
1: Yeah. Whereas in this one, it's the friendships like central to Mm -hmm. it. Like everything's constructed around And Like, I think that's another thing that I really respect about the three movies is that, or the three films is that, um, it doesn't like, it doesn't shy away from like the, like the, the genuine, like emotional core Mm -hmm. of it. And it doesn't treat it for gags, right? Like it, it does, but it also, um, is very true to it. Um th- I mean there are jokes like in Shaun of the Dead when um when uh, I think it's David who who calls like Ed Shaun's boyfriend. Yes. And then mm-hmm. Shaun's like he's not my boyfriend and then he gives him the beer. Yeah. Um which is like a wonderful like quick joke. But um there's still that like that heart and that is the, like their relationship really is the thing that kind of um is the arc is like the central core of the story I mm-hmm.
0: think. That's why I think it's so weird and destabilizing in the world's end to see them hate each other yeah to see them really play characters who don't want to be in the same space yeah well, well one does because he has an agenda and the other one just is so done with everything right and we'll, we will get there yeah uh, and I'm trying I'm really consciously trying not to just do an hour on Shaun of the Dead sure because yeah, we both a, could I yes yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, but in terms of their flexibility the, the Cornetto trilogy is um conceptually very similar in Mm -hmm. each film is about a thing that's not really about yeah but they're wildly different narratives and wildly different scales right and fascinatingly um ultimately always dependent on that relationship on on what simon pegg and nick frost can do within their characters right and sean and ed i think are pretty much them yeah um, right. You know, a little building on Spaced with right, and uh, very much the, the Tim Isley being right? sort yeah. of yeah, yeah. loose ends and not really sure what to do next. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Hot Fuzz, the joke, of course, is that after Sean, that, that Peg's character is the, the you know, like the, the greatest cop in yeah, London. The in super UK, cop who yeah. cannot be <laughs> tolerated by anyone around him. Yeah. <laughs> but that's so great. Exactly. At first you think they're the problem, that, that, his, that the Met doesn't want him around because they make him look bad and then you realize he's actually kind of a dick yeah exactly at being great
1: yeah yeah and but it's still there's still like um, a theme that carries through all three of them about um, like selfishness right mm. and about um, uh, like the fact that like it's the individual versus like everyone else um, yeah. and like man fighting his own or like character fighting his own um, their own self sort of worst impulses yeah. yeah like this self-destructive kind of um Thing that goes through it and there's like all, I think all three of them do this beautiful thing where um, it's like the personal stakes and the stakes of like the universe mm-hmm. um, pile on at exactly the
0: same time and there's like it's that wonderful yeah. like collision the dramatic forage right yeah it forces you to confront your own misgivings right. so you can save the world or Completely fuck it up. <laughs> right. um, when when they came through for The World's End, uh, Edgar was talking about it. Basically, it's a film in which a man gets an intervention from the universe. Right. Yeah. And you could say the same thing about Sean uh-huh. Uh-huh. in that his wake up call is the end of the world. Right. And in Hot Fuzz, it's, it's wonderful because you watch Nicholas Angel be completely right and utterly wrong about everything. Yeah. And that magnificent payoff. The, oh, my God. The super cop instincts that then just explode out into <laughs> an actual action movie. And, mm-hmm. and it's the twist from Unbreakable. You know, the movie you've been watching is actually the thing you thought it was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're going to just go for it. Yeah. But in such an exhilarating, deliriously fun way. Mm, yeah. And shooting all of these elaborate action sequences in a tiny West Country hamlet. Oh yeah, pays it's off beautifully. It's Such a beautiful juxtaposition, right? It's so yeah. fun, and also lets you have Wicker Man moments. Right? Yeah, it brings in the other genre. It sort of lo- it looms in there mm-hmm. in the uh, that Peter Jackson way, where the splatter is coming out of the eccentricity. Yeah, yeah, and, and that collision is so much fun to watch because it is—it's the one film of the three that. Doesn't feel like it knows what it's doing at first, which I thought was really great. It's incredibly slick, even when it shouldn't be. Yeah. And then gradually, as the action structure reveals itself, of course, it was supposed to look like that all along. Right. But that it's one of the few movies where the filmmakers are smart enough to put you in the same. Sense of dislocation as their protagonist without directly underlining it. Oh yeah, it just comes around that way. That's a really good point. I mean, it took me three or four viewings. You know. yeah. Oh shit, that's why there's a lens flare. He's <laughs> still in an action movie. In <laughs> his head. Yeah, he's he's making this happen, uh-huh. and then in the end, he really does. Yeah,
1: and it it actually does happen that way. I also love the um, the payoff when. You find out, like, the reason that the council is killing everyone yeah. is actually just, like, the initial surface-level reason. And it's not,
0: like, the deep right, dive. built this elaborate mythology. Right. That means nothing.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, it's just that they don't like hoodies. Yeah, or she, her laugh is annoying. Yeah. Or
0: whatever. Oh, my God. Which is, you know, it's the, it brings it into the Stepford Wives thing. There's that line of the perfect little, mm-hmm. the, uh, the perfect village. Yeah. But at a cost. Right. And it's also, you know, like, in the Brexit age terrifyingly relevant oh yeah i mean i have english relatives i've i've been at pubs and had conversations or heard conversations about how things that aren't like us are bad right and this just it was there 10 years ago it right. was right there and nobody saw it right. and look what happened
1: yeah totally and th- that's a theme throughout as well all of them are about like um like individualism versus like um, a collective group of people that all want the same thing, right? The greater good, if you will. Right, Exactly, for the greater good. I have to repeat that if yeah. you say it. Yeah. If you
0: didn't, I would have. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, and I, I also, I was like, I just realized this, watching them all this week, but um, like the progression of, I guess, antagonist from Sean to Hot Fuzz to World's End is also a progression of like awareness, right? Because it's zombies yeah, yeah. who are like, they almost like, they're like brain dead, right? Like they don't, there's no, um, awareness and then it's human and then it's superhuman or like post-human or whatever you want to call it. Right. And there's, it's like the progression of like enemy that you have to face. And I always like wonder if there should be another trilogy or like even a fourth film, but I don't, I don't know how that would work because it feels like it's wrapped up.
0: You'd almost have to start again. Yeah. You'd have to find a new way in. And then you end up with the Matrix movies, and I don't know that that's necessary. The, you're right, right. The, the level it's, and of course in between Hot Fuzz and uh, and The World's End, he made Scott Pilgrim, which is literally about leveling up. Right. Yeah. So it's clearly a thing. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if you could. Where would you go? I, what would you do? Yeah. What's left?
1: No and what other like genres are there to to play with that? I don't know. Well, body switching.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, that's the inevitable. Go back in, right? Make it oh, yeah. Oh, that's again. a good point. We yeah. did. We did talk about that once. Just I think when the world's end came out, it came up just as the like, what is left? What could you do? Yeah. And I don't know. I don't. Uh, he. They don't rule out another collaboration. Yes, that's I right. I think they'll never be far from each other.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I'm like Sean and or not Sean. Um, Simon and Nick are working on something together. I
0: think. Oh, or? I hope so. Yeah. Uh, they've all gone really quiet. The last thing I saw on social media from peg was that he and his star trek co-writer are sitting down again so i assume that means they're writing the next one yeah which is fine by me yeah Yeah. and yeah whatever that that's the other thing that we we can explore is the the insane stardom that simon has suddenly experienced that his whole his his autobiography is called nerd do well but he really did oh yeah he's come out the other end and and had that cult experience where people just want to work with you mm-hmm. and you say yes to everything and so you turn around and you're in Star Trek and Mission Impossible and right. suddenly bankable and yeah. doing, these, doing these bizarre, gargantuan yeah. um, enterprises, if you will, yeah. and and <laughs> coming back and finding out that your own stuff is just becoming more popular as a result. Yeah. So yeah, whatever they want to do, I'm so glad that they're in a position where they can do it. Right.
1: Yeah. And yeah, seeing Simon Pegg in the Star Trek movies and then the Mission Impossible movies yeah. was like, it i don't i can't describe like how excited i was by that because yeah. it was just like um it felt like like one of us being like recognized and like yeah. put in something that you wouldn't see someone
0: like that in yeah no when he turns up in um, in Mission 3 it's it's subversive oh yeah it's what is this Englishman doing in this giant American movie <laughs> right. first of all what are you doing here? <laughs> and I love you and don't stop uh-huh. and then it just rolls and somehow he ends up Fighting people in the right. next one, and it just the 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 conception. I think it's his willingness to do whatever uh-huh. ultimately. Yeah. Uh, and the weird runner that they've built into the movies about him being a field agent, but to the point where, thanks to the role reversals in the fifth one, he plays a damsel in distress in the in the oh, yeah. final act. Right. Yeah. He's he is like as an actor, he is willing to go wherever. Right. He can. Yeah. And I've just I've yeah, it's been what thirteen years now that I've been watching him and just popping up places and i'm always happy right um, i'm always happy to see him really? frost is a little less successful in terms mm-hmm. of scale but he's done films he's done television series mm-hmm. he's uh he had a, a really great um i guess it was a reality show a travelogue show oh. uh i think it's called the dvd's here somewhere danger uh-huh. fifty thousand volts and maybe just, oh i have heard of, yeah, yeah yeah it's delightful uh-huh. he just runs around trying to kill himself uh, for, for entertainment <laughs> yeah it's wonderful, and yeah, and it all comes from this collaboration that feels—I assume—so genuine that it bonds oh, with yeah. people. I mean, we recognize friendships in the, in these right. movies, yeah, and the and the friendship in Hot Fuzz, uh, which is the classic buddy cop. They hate each other. They love each other. Yeah. But they've treated it legitimately, right? Instead of they love each other being oh they can tolerate each other and they keep yeah. insulting each other and ah, eh, they're racist towards each other but it's cool because they're friends Yeah, it's a legitimate love story right yeah. Um, between a, a a man and a golden retriever. <laughs> right. Um that th- the clapping thing that, that Frost oh, does yeah. in the second one. As yeah. Danny yeah. Butterman yeah. is just it's adorable
1: and instantly recognizable as a big dog. <laughs> yeah. Or like as the orangutan um oh, impression. That's true. That's the first true, one. the
0: extension of it. Yeah. The Clyde.
1: And there I mean there I also love the um, like the little Callbacks to Sean that are in Hot Fuzz, mm-hmm. like the I don't know pub kind of right. thing, uh, or um, there's that like one like throwaway that um, in the grocery store when they highlight like the employees of the grocery store and there's like the buzzer sound, yeah. and it, it's a callback to like the Sean because they're all the like the zombies from the
0: first movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, oh, there we go. there's a loyalty that runs through all three of these films, and I'm sure that that's the simply the way they work, but. Mm-hmm. The idea that you know they couldn't not do it. Yeah, there's a compulsion and a loyalty and a and a, and a, a genuine affection. Yeah. there they're none of these films is cruel. Mm-mm. Uh, I mean, what happens in Sean is genuine horror. Yeah, but the only person who truly suffers is David. Right, and he's an asshole. Right, so and he gets what he deserves. <laughs> it's the and it's the failure to support the friendships mm-hmm. that gets him killed. Right, and yeah, it's a wonderful like, and he he's the
1: one like it's. The the movie isn't about like man versus man or human versus human, but he is the one character that tries to like bring that cliche in, right? And yeah. then
0: it's just it's like you wave him out, yeah. Because <laughs> exactly. yeah. not even I mean, Bill Nye's character, who is set up as the antagonist for mm-hmm. Sean, because he chased him around the garden with a bit of wood, yeah. <laughs> which I, for a turn of phrase that is so English, It's so spe- <laughs> specifically English, <laughs> yeah. um, and is repeated a bunch of times. Yeah. Turns out to actually be not you know, a bad guy not only a bad not a bad guy but a genuinely redemptive character yeah. like a redeemable character yeah and I, that's another thing that makes me very sad right uh, and and his... then watching all of the things that proceed from that
1: yeah like his monologue in the car just yeah. before he dies legitimately gets to me um, and it it reminds me of um, it's the same effect as in World's End when um, the character who sees his bully again um right. talks about how, like, it, it wasn't that he bullied me all these years. It's that he didn't recognize me when I came back. And, like, all those little moments of just, like, pure, um, like, humanity mm-hmm. that, that are injected. And, they like, they, they function to me as jokes because they're totally subversive. You don't expect them to be in this type of movie, right? Yeah. Or initially you don't. If you know Edgar Wright and if you know, like, their work, then you do, right? But the first time you watch it, you're just hit you're like blindsided because you don't expect that's going to happen um and it's like this wonderful i'm like i'm always so fascinated by people who um write comedy who know comedy um who do things that are like comedy plus drama or who who try to move just like a a little level beyond comedy or a lot level beyond comedy (laughs) um because the way they insert those things um they are structured like like jokes, right? Yeah. It's just that the payoff isn't laughs, it's it's emotion or it's it's like crying in some cases. Yeah.
0: yeah. Just the 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 way that the reversal lands on he's not my dad mm-hmm. in Sean. Yeah, you know, I mean he was, but that isn't. Right. That hits on Three different emotional levels. <laughs> right. I mean, it acknowledges that we're in a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. It acknowledges the relationship that existed, and acknowledges that Sean knows that when you die, you're not you anymore. Mm-hmm. Which, of course, sets up the moment with his mother, which is just oh, shattering. Jeez, yeah. Uh, in that, it is a multi-layered scene as well. Right. You know, it's a scene from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. There's a line from Reservoir Dogs, <laughs> right? And there's even the like the, the Mexican standoff, standoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it still tracks as emotional and real and gives you that moment where um, (laughs) where Barbara is still kind of she's not willing to attack either Sean or Ed she's confused and then uh, and David shows up and yells and she hisses and that that sets it off and it just Watching that over and over again, I mean, over the course of a year, I guess, because I watched it obsessively. <laughs> yeah, uh, I went out, right. there was, like, there was, because of the release structure, it was available, it was released theatrically in the, in the States and Canada a couple of months after it opened in the UK. Okay, yeah. So the DVD was out before there before here. Oh, so cool, yeah. I imported it. But I, before that, there was, like, a Hong Kong VCD. Oh, man. With subtitles burnt, and, and it's like, screw it, I'm buying that. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching that. <laughs> and I've poured over this film because, yeah, I couldn't believe it existed. It, yeah. it felt like this thing that was made just for me. Yeah, that's um, that's exactly that's how it hit me as well. Yeah, yeah, and it burrows into you, yeah. and you keep it. Yeah, and it rewards you for loving it because you go back, and there is right. more. There's always more. Yeah. Uh, but watching it play, as you know, then I tried to explain it to people, and they would look at me like I was insane. Oh like, yeah. How can it work as a zombie in a, a zombie movie in a romantic fantasy I, I don't know.
1: Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'll I'm watch it again. To it out. Out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: and then Hot Fuzz comes along, and it is it delivers on that potential it's not mm. just a one-off you know, I saw that with a crowd a couple of weeks before it opened at a 7pm screening a oh, previous cool. screening at yeah. the Varsity 8 oh, great cool. big theater yeah, yeah. and people went nuts for it Yeah, and they let themselves go you could feel a moment about maybe 20 minutes in after the first pub scene uh-huh. where people get it where yeah. the the um, I guess it was when Jim Broadbent shows up when, once um once Angel comes back and finds out that Danny's a cop. Yeah. People started to lose the, <laughs> kind of that apprehension. Yeah. That, I don't know what kind of movie this is. Right. And they just stopped caring. Yeah. And it and it takes you along. Yeah. If you if you give yourself over to these guys, they will not hurt You are you. in safe hands.
1: Yeah. yeah. They will like carry you with like soft soft hands. <laughs> and it, it but it, it feels like that, right? Like you just let you let yourself go to this these movies mm-hmm. and um you're just like along for the ride and it's it's like masterful right it's yeah. made by masters who know what they're doing Yeah um they're so goddamn young <laughs> no, Just it's
0: Oh it's just I mean I, I don't I don't I, I think Edgar's about Two or three years younger than I am, but mm-hmm. the, just the idea that he made Shaun of the Dead when he was thirty, yeah, uh, and that, and by extension, so did everybody else involved, with, right? Just these children yes. making this yeah. phenomenally like the emotional intelligence of these movies oh, is God. vastly superior to almost everything else, yeah, yeah. And if you are that good mm-hmm. and you don't lose it, mm-hmm. that's incredible because yeah. the temptation, you know, he. Uh, Universal and Marvel reached out to to Edgar to write Ant-Man right, after Sean. Right. Yeah. And he could have been swallowed by that system. That's right. But he just kept pushing and doing their own thing. Yeah. Um, and the, that whole story... And, uh, Kate had never seen Ant-Man, so we just watched it again a couple of nights mm-hmm, ago. Right. I watched it again. And watching it, I think it was my third time through it, I was just sort of looking. I was like, oh, no, he wrote that. Yeah. This, this
1: you, can, you can feel his fingerprints all over yeah. it, even though he, like, they... That relationship didn't work out. Yeah, they rewrote mm-hmm. the
0: script. Well, they um, Marvel uh, gave it to Adam McKay yeah. and Paul Rudd, who apparently well, McKay told me when he came through for uh, the Big Short, we talked about it a little bit. Oh, cool. he just said that he and Rudd locked themselves in a hotel room for four weeks and came up with a script. Yeah, and most of it, the bone, he said, the bones were the same. Yeah, and some of the dialogue survived, but for the most part, they had to read. They had to how do you say it? They had to accommodate a lot of the Marvel stuff. Okay. They just The original script was a standalone heist film. Yeah. With Scott Lang yeah. uh-huh. and the characters, and they had to add all the Marvel superstructure. Yeah. And I think that's probably where it got tricky with Edgar, right? And Edgar Wright. And, yeah. yeah. It wouldn't yeah. have been his thing. Like, right. I, I, you can feel those scenes are written by someone else. Yeah. And maybe not even McKay and Rudd, maybe the Marvel people. Right. Uh, yeah. But it just, it you can, yeah, the experience of watching that movie is that it fishtails from a, mm-hmm. a really idiosyncratic, goofy yeah superhero film right to a marvel movie right and then, then back again yeah like back and forth and back and forth yeah
1: and not in like the in the masterful way that like sean goes back and forth between like rom-com and zombie. Right. like it's just it feels unbalanced it and like off kilter. Yeah.
0: oh i wish i know
1: i like i so badly wish like in another universe you could see that you yeah. right ant-man because like that was my guess too that it would be um like his his version of like the heist movie Mm-hmm. As like the heist movie, as like this genre that would be um, totally like studied and then taken apart and deconstructed and subverted and all right. the and it, it like parts of it are there in mm-hmm. in that movie. But like I, I wish I saw I, we could see like
0: the I know it's just the uh, version. Never got to shoot it with that Patrick Wilson in it. I think mm-hmm. instead of uh Parade. uh Corey Stoll, or, oh, okay, um, the bad guy. Yeah, oh, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Wilson yeah. was as far as I could tell, he was in it right <laughs> up until edgar left and then he Uh. suddenly stopped tweeting about it and he's not in it yeah so eh. I Yeah, and I'm curious to see how that would have been handled. There's so much. Oh, God, there's so many questions. Plus, there were so many drafts. Every time I interviewed him, he was doing it again. Oh, really? Because I would always ask him. you like, right. how's the yeah. <laughs> going? Are we ever going to see it? Because it sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and he said, oh, it will be. And, uh-huh. you know, we just we're doing another draft. We're doing this. We're doing that. And it was, I mean, we first talked about it in 2007. Oh, wow. And then again in 2010. Right. When he came through for Scott Pilgrim. Twice right. that time. Yeah. He was shooting it here and and there was just nothing like there there. it was coming it was always coming yeah and then it just went away it didn't away. work out that's so sad yeah. yeah um but with yeah with Hot Fuzz and The World's End too you get to see what he can do with like a serious sci-fi concept oh yeah and a big production yeah like the Hot Fuzz is his audition for Michael Bay oh yeah scare. totally like that yeah. storytelling where it just yeah it incorporates and reinterprets just mm-hmm. the, you know, like, have you ever fought, jumped through the air fought, <laughs> while exactly. going arg? Yeah. Just... Or have you ever,
1: like, jumped through the air flying one guy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that and true. the escalation, yeah.
0: that just that, that naive enthusiasm that, uh-huh. that Danny has is so sweet and weird. Oh, yeah. And then, of course, the movie turns yeah. into Point Break and Bad Boys 2. and right. Quite I mean, literally, because yeah. there is the Point it's Break in the images. Yeah. And, and... Yeah.
1: Did the, and there is is there a Michael Bay 360 shot yeah, yeah. yes when shit gets real yes that's right in, in the center of the town right yeah Yeah. and like of that. course
0: you can see how close everything is because they're <laughs> not in a big space <laughs> yeah. and then even that pays off with the miniature village I was just the gonna I was village, gonna mention yeah. that yeah where it, and, where, and like
1: the metaphor is literally these two guys fighting over over the village mm-hmm. and it, it uh, it's, and the way that's filmed is so brilliant too like maybe and Edgar Wright like Godzilla type yeah. movie, like a monster movie, would be cool. I would watch that. I would totally I would watch, watch that. that. Yeah. I would watch anything. I'm so excited for Baby Driver too.
0: Me too. There I was a like... screening last week, and it murders me in my heart that oh, I didn't know about it.
1: Oh no! Yeah,
0: someone tweeted it out at like six thirty five on a Wednesday, oh, and then man. went silent. Uh-huh. It turned out that it was a, there was a screening, uh word of mouth screening that Sony had, and just didn't tell anybody about. And oh wow! I'm just like. It played in my city? Oh my <laughs> like, I'm Batman now. How did this happen? <laughs> exactly. In my city. Yeah. <laughs> but, oh, by the time this comes out, we will have seen it, I hope. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's just, yeah, it's eating me alive right oh now. Oh, my right. gosh. And yeah. I and I don't watch trailers. I, I avoid all crass. Oh, yes. I've seen uh, the poster, and that's uh-huh. the extent of it. And... Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I like I trust Edgar to make a trailer that doesn't give away his movie, but at the same time, I don't want to see it. I don't want the images. In I my know.
1: Head. Yeah, I I did. I made the mistake of seeing the trailer, oh, and it yeah. just made me super excited for it. But <laughs> I like I don't want to know. And I'm like I'm sure that it doesn't give away anything. Yeah. At the same time, right? He wouldn't do that. Yeah, he wouldn't do us like that. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's another point where like my I think I saw World's End with my brother the first time, mm-hmm. and he had no idea what it was about, and okay. he knew it was like from the Shaun of the Dead guys and from the Hot Fuzz guys um, and like I used to watch those movies at home all the time and so like I would just play even today this morning I was playing I'm staying at my parents house mm-hmm. and I was just playing Shaun of the Dead um, to like catch up and refresh myself and so sort of
0: getting peripheral exposure yeah
1: okay. yeah and he started getting that and also like this morning my parents um, and my brother all like came and sat on the couch with me and watched it just like just out of habit because they all know that movie and they all know all three of those movies so well now because i always watch them um but he didn't know what world's end was about and when that reveal happened in the bar in the bathroom Mm -hmm. um he like lost his mind because it world's end doesn't set itself up the way sean does right like there's a difference where sean like you go into it knowing it's a zombie movie and like the little hints in the background just play that's like the game right Mm. and you're like when is it it gonna reveal itself and that's
0: what's so creepy about it it is legitimately giving you zombie moments Mm -hmm. and so if the comedy is coming yeah better get there fast because everybody's gonna die right (laughs) and that's exactly the point that it that life is precious and that it's this incredible subtle way of getting you there the same way right. that Hot Fuzz does it with camera work yeah, and and cutting, yeah, and then with the World's End, yeah, there's none of that,
1: yeah, and just, it, it just hits, you. and when it happens, it just happens, right, yeah, um, and my brother like just, I remember him being like,
0: "What the fuck is going
1: on?" <laughs> <laughs> and it was like the most delightful um, thing to like experience through him by yeah. just like sitting next to him and and hearing him like have that moment. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> did, he did he stay with it did oh yeah it? oh he was totally on board okay oh, um, but it was just like he had no idea yeah. and I like I wish I knew nothing about world's end in yeah some
0: way. I knew the premise mm-hmm. um, and I think there was a still early on of Steve Oram with the glow mouth mm. and other than that I avoided like, yeah. I did everything I could not to know but I did know you know I think he said he described his withnal and AI at one point which mm. is just strange Goddamn, perfect turn of phrase. <laughs> uh, oh, he can do it without thinking. Yeah. I know he can too. He yeah. can just do that, Burp yeah. things out like that. Uh-huh. Uh, but then when I saw it, I, I just I couldn't believe the confidence yeah. of the mundane stuff yeah. that it just does take forty minutes to unveil yeah. itself, and th- and you would, and again it's what he does. He establishes all the stakes. He establishes the relationships. Sets everything up, mm-hmm. and then sets the ball yeah like, bowls a, a giant monster bowling ball right into whatever is <laughs> exactly. set up. Yeah. Um, But the absolute lack of clues yeah. or hints, there uh-huh. isn't even like a little theremin noise. You expect exactly. that this is how you set these things up. Yeah. But the pivot into science fiction is so abrupt yeah. that it really, that and the way that the cinematography changes because that first action sequence is oh, that yeah. strange fluid lockdown camera thing Yeah. that's, that was immediately ripped off for Kingsman. I and,
1: was just going to say that. Yeah. Yeah, that bar fight in... Um, yeah, the bar fight in World's End is mm-hmm. such... That is the Kingsman
0: style. Yeah. And yeah. I, and when Kingsman came out, he was like, oh, that's so fantastic. It's like, goddammit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you didn't see the, that's what that means. <laughs> know, yeah. You didn't see the World's End? Sure. Go see the World's End. This yeah. is your homework. And Kingsman is fun, but come yeah, on. Exactly. Two years ago, and it was better. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the, that incredible... Choreography, and it was the mm-hmm. Scott Pilgrim team mm-hmm. um, coming back to do these fights that yeah. were completely different from Scott Pilgrim. Because yeah. with Scott Pilgrim, he shot only what he needed, take oh, for right. take for take, okay. shot for shot for shot. So right. there's a moment where, you know, if, if there's a moment where Michael Sarah jumps towards the camera, that's all they shot, right. and then they reset for something else. Okay. And he told me during the Scott Pilgrim tour, this this one. Just made my head fall off. They reset every time for every shot because if there was a reverse angle, it couldn't be the same reverse angle as the previous take uh-huh. because his conception of it was that everything had to look like it was being drawn by hand. And if you're drawing a new frame by hand, oh, it wouldn't yeah. look exactly the same. Oh wow! So even if it's just a matter of a slightly different light or a slightly different camera position, oh every God. shot had to be retaken. And that's, that's in yeah, I, my mind like. No, like, I, yeah. that's so complicated. <laughs> yeah. And to do that, you know, just oh, to decide shit. that's how you're going to do it, yeah. that's horrible.
1: Yeah. That's so
0: much more work. Right. But it pays it's off brilliant. because it feels, you know, your brain is registering something slightly different yeah. every time. And in The World's End, he shoots the action sequences in long takes, which yeah. is completely different and a totally... Right different challenge for this the stunt team especially once you start adding the thing about well they're really kind of hollow and filled with goo and so there <laughs> there's that one incredible moment where someone picks one of them up and yeah. wields them like a like a weapon they yeah it's somebody with another it hits yeah. a blank with another blank yeah and you realize that their centers of gravity are different oh, that yeah. all of this stuff is there yeah and just in the moment no that's i don't know what's happening I, that first fight where things don't like physics don't work. They don't look right. Yeah. And then and then you
1: realize that and there is there is this amazing feeling that like you know that they're lighter. Mm-hmm. Like you get that you get that sense from just the way everything's like choreographed and, yeah. and shot. Yeah.
0: No, it's incredible. And then it is also paying off emotional relationships in scene after scene where mm. people who's being rescued and what's happening and who's in mm. trouble. They're all meaningful. Plus you get the whole bar. Uh, our name the and pub the pub names yeah setting up what happens right it's just again it's that obsessive layering that need to do it all yeah um every film they make feels like their last shot like they're they yeah. need to do this again so they're pouring everything they can that into it. really
1: does yeah. that really does feel that way oh my god
0: and emotionally of course in the world's end there's there it is the last shot like mm-hmm. they're not only are they they're not destroying the Cornetto verse, but they're the stakes of, I don't think, were ever higher. Oh, right. And yeah. you also get that really awful <laughs> undercurrent that maybe Gary doesn't want to live. That, yeah. That he's racing towards his own end. Yeah. His own obliteration. Right. And that's something that I didn't know Peg could do. Oh, yeah. As an actor, I have to, he's I have to say. He's so versatile. Yeah. And that, yeah, the, the
1: setup when um, they're all in that shed and they're like, proving to each other that they
0: had the right. stars and stuff. Which of course is the thing, which is so great that they stop this movie dead for an homage, but at the same time the stakes are incredibly high yeah. and it doesn't that it doesn't mean that it doesn't matter that it's a thing homage. That's yeah, for your second feeling. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: And and like and that it's an it's another one of those things where like the personal stakes and like the world stakes come together in in like this amazing way where like everything means um at least three different things. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that um, yeah there's the, the, and the other thing that like there's a stylistic like a comedy style and I think this is like a very British tradition but it's just like the the wordplay and the puns and like the double yeah. speak and the double meanings um, that there's just something so delightful about um, just like analyzing those jokes right in the same way that you analyze like the, the all the frames of the movie and all the details and stuff yeah. it, even though like the words and the wordplay is so um like tight and structured and concise mm-hmm. that um that like makes my like comedy and like
0: pun brain <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: really busy
0: right you know yeah it's it's that thing that says that they couldn't help themselves but they know no other way right like you could do a stripped down version even in um even in Hot Fuzz, where mm. like that last reel is just joke after bit after joke after bit, <laughs> paying off all the specific complaints and 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 all of those ticks. Yeah, and then you could do a simpler version of it, but that's the point that there are simpler versions of it, and they're not as much fun. Right, like, this is how you enjoy these things. Yeah, and with the World's End, there is that creeping sorrow. There's a real sadness. Mm. The the sense that. Even even in the that Jackie Chan moment where Gary is fighting oh, yeah. him with the punt in his yeah. hand, that pint will obliterate him. He doesn't. Oh yeah. We shouldn't be rooting for that, right? But it's so delightful. It is, yeah. There,
1: and that's like that drunk. There's a whole drunken master, like, yeah. Oh my god! I, and I grew up watching like Jackie Chan movies too. So when I saw that scene the first time, I was like, holy shit! Yeah, this is like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. This is drunken master set. In like a science fiction, like right? Robot
0: in, alien apocalypse. Exactly. <laughs> in
1: a bar in like a, a town, in a tiny town.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, again, it's the thing where if you step back for a second, why do that? It's so complicated. <laughs> oh, yeah. One more thing, Jesus right. Christ! But it's there to be discovered later. Yeah. Like that's what. That's what's so wonderful about it. And then the and of course the, the underlying metaphor too of of the twelve pints and the, oh, and yeah. the obliteration and the end of Gary King who instead ends everything else by being a dick it's really wonderful because the argument I don't think the argument holds up I don't think that the (laughs) film is and and we talked about this at the time and Uh I I get that Gary is happy Uh but he's destroyed literally everything oh yeah um you know, people are going to... It's a Mad Max wasteland out there. People right. are going to die from diseases. Yeah. Yes, you can make your own farm, but you don't get to have Cornettos anymore. Hey, right. It's a really mixed bag it's, for everybody yeah, else. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then he goes yeah. off and, like, decides to... Kill everyone who hates the blanks.
0: Yeah. Hang out with his robot doubles yeah. and, and literally live in his...
1: In his weird fantasy. past. Yeah. yeah. Which... So he, like, didn't... He actually didn't learn anything and he destroyed
0: the world by right. doing it. Yeah, right? no, he gets what he wants. <laughs> yeah. And it's awful. <laughs> right. Um, but it's wonderful that you can still go out on a high. Uh-huh. And that, that was the thing that I just... Watching it the second time, because, again... Saw it, went back.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, watching it the second time and realizing that, yeah, this, this not only was I conflicted about the ending, this is not a happy ending. Right. So this is <laughs> an actively unhappy ending, right. no matter how happy the music is. Right. Because we're in his head now. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the end of, um, what is it? It's not saying Elsewhere. That's the easy one. Oh, it's Brazil. Oh, yeah. Of course. Uh-huh. It's yeah, the end yeah. of Brazil. Yeah, yeah. Where Which is also about rebelling against a massive controlling authoritarian mm-hmm. organization. Yeah, exactly. But instead of the pullout to Jonathan Price sitting there coming mm-hmm. to himself, we never get the pullout. Yeah. So it happened. Yeah. Because we're being told it from another person's perspective. That's right. And it's deeply unsatisfying. Right. <laughs> uh, and And poignant and sad and weird.
1: Right. Yeah. It's in every in the first two like the the self-destructive tendencies kind of um, like the characters learn like mm-hmm. Simon Pegg's character's um, somehow grow or change or learn and in this one he it, he doesn't right yeah like, he just gets totally um validated and everything and like yeah his fan his like self-destructive fantasy is fulfilled
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um and his friends are either dead, dead or or left behind right because he's not associating with them. Yeah, you know, he's a mythical figure now, and yeah. I think it's because they don't want to see him. Yeah, because they were right all along. Right, it's exactly. A, it's a really strange way to end the Cornetto trilogy, and I, I thought about it for a while afterwards. You know, am I supposed to re? Uh, am I supposed to reinterpret? Sean and Hot Fuzz through this lens now Mm -hmm. and I refuse to. Right. (laughs) (laughs) After a couple of minutes, no. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, they're great. Shut up. They're perfect. Yeah. Stop telling me things, brain. Uh I refuse to accept this. Uh But it is such a... a, It's a a double pivot because, you know, you've had so much fun watching this resistance and then confronted the fact that your hero isn't a particularly good hero Mm -hmm. and then you're left with that yeah. Emptiness. Yeah. Where the legend of Gary King will continue, but look what he had to do to build that legend. <laughs> right. It's not a good legend. Right. And you know, Edgar and and Simon and Nick all have said over recently in interviews not recently, but subsequently True. to the film's release, they said that it's a, it's a bar story. Oh that it is you know, like it's the thing that you tell someone. It's the legend of Gary King is something yeah. you tell someone over a pint. huh. Uh-huh. And the whole point of the movie is that there are no more pints to be had. That oh. like everything's gone. Yeah. So, in order to be celebrated, he had to basically be the only hero left. Right. And that's equally sad. Like, it's fascinating, Mm because dramatically, that's amazing. Yeah. But that's a bummer. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For the storyline. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah. I also like that the structure of that movie is it starts with um, Simon Pegg's character, like, Gary Killing telling the story, and then it ends with um, Nick Frost's character telling the story. Yeah. Which is... I guess also a nice way to to wrap up the trilogy, mm-hmm. um, having like the two the two guys have their own stories, like bookending the movie. Oh yeah, yeah.
0: No, I think that's very deliberate. Mm-hmm. And I was wondering when I first saw it, like, have I failed the movie by just not quite liking this?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it. I still haven't really figured out a way to like for it to settle with me. I like remember feeling that way, and then I watched it again on the plane on mm-hmm. the way here, and I was like, this still feels. Unsettling in yeah. a strange way,
0: and I think I think we're supposed to be conflicted, but again because they're so good at packaging yeah. that uh that subtext and that underlying um, arc uh-huh. I don't think it hits you the way it's maybe a less adept filmmaker would land it right, which is good uh-huh. and also strangely like it's the one where I don't feel full when it's over right I, I don't have that same bubble of satisfaction Uh and i want to think about it because i'm pretty sure i missed something and i've watched it enough times now that i'm pretty sure i haven't right and that's how it's supposed to play
1: right well i mean the first two are really about like um how how close those like friendships and relationships Mm -hmm. are right and then this this last one is really like i think the message is like you everyone has moved on and everyone like what you had when you were like childhood friends doesn't actually exist and I, like to me that maybe is the final message of the movie where like and even in the like in the epilogue and the coder or whatever everyone goes their own way right yeah. like they aren't yeah. friends the five of them um they each are doing their own thing and maybe that's like I I feel like world's end resonates with me the most now because it's like the that weird feeling of like going back home and not really feeling like it's your home anymore and, yeah um I I think that's I think that's what that unsettling feeling is, um, like, the, that we're talking about. The the weird um, kind of, like, it feels off to us. Because in real life, it also feels off, right? Yeah. Um, but it's, like, that weird truth that that they've tapped into mm. that, that gets to you.
0: Yeah. And they're delivering the third Cornetto movie on their own terms, which is saying that, you know, you can't actually... Get this again. Yeah. The feeling is gonna be different every time and we're yeah. older and slower, and this is yeah, that's right. where it has to be. And Trainspotting yeah. too does a really great job of that same oh, thing. Simply yeah. refuses to make a train spotting sequel that is train spotting because right. they're all forty-five and you can't do that. <laughs> right. And they even acknowledge it right off the bat. Uh-huh. And visually and, and narratively, and Danny Boyle is still just as much of a genius mm-hmm. visually and, and in terms of momentum. Yeah. But it's all about these people confronting that the fact that, as in The World's End, you are the person you were going to... Be. Like, you finally are... You're done. You've yeah. grown up. You are who you are. Right. And this is who you're going to be until it's over. Right. And <laughs> you have to stop being aspirational. Right. And, like, Gary constantly promising he's going to turn his life around. Yeah. He's not interested in that. No. Yeah. Um, and the uh, and the, and the supporting characters, too. I mean, uh, I, I completely... I haven't even mentioned the actors' names like Eddie Marsan and Patty Considine mm-hmm. and, and uh, Rosamund Pike and, and uh, Martin Freeman mm-hmm. and they're all they're all done with him. Yeah. Like, all those characters are at varying degrees of frustrated and angry and done.
1: Yeah. And that's we, right.
0: we are told over two hours that yeah that's
1: that's they're it. right they're, they're right they're pretty much right so in i guess to them it is a happy ending because they never have to see him again <laughs> it's true like maybe they all get what they want this right? is the price yeah, yeah. <laughs> like patty Considine and rosamund pike end up together yeah they right? have a little farm yeah and so he get like they get their happy ending um yeah that's like a, a it's a sad strange like subversion of like the kind of like friendship is like the heart yeah. of
0: like the first two right Yes, it's um, the Simpsons line about alcohol: the cause of and solution to right? all of life's problems. Right? Yeah, right. because getting the band back together is disastrous. Mm-hmm. It results in—I mean, most of those people were dead before they got there. Yeah. But now we know. Yeah. Which is worse?
1: Right.
0: Um, and the yeah, the temptation of the blanks is something too that that I think maybe resonates with some with with artists who have been trying to make their own way in a in a pretty. Homogeneous industry. Right. Uh, and certainly, you know, Simon Pegg made three or four romantic comedies between Sean and right. Hot Fuzz that weren't great. Like Run Fat Play Run. Yeah. Like well, he wrote, Where's again, he, again he wrote some of that yeah, one, and yeah. you can sort of tell which ones, which scenes he punched up. Yeah. Uh, or I was thinking of how to alienate friends oh, right. how, to, how to lose friends that's and that's alienate people yeah. boys, which is just terrible <laughs> right. it really is and yeah. he's like he's not even fun in it you can oh. see him working trying to figure out how to do something yeah and it just the movie won't let him it's just really quite inept, mm. and it's not his fault yeah uh, and now he seems to like post the world's end he's found stuff like man up where mm. it's playing he's much more comfortable playing to his strengths yeah. or at least now he has the power to say, and probably Mission and Star Trek have more to oh, do shit. with that than these, but yeah. you know, like, I know what I'm doing, let's let do me this do, thing. Yeah, let me do my thing. And yeah. yeah. And World's End is um it's almost like he's yeah, he's saying goodbye to that yeah. part of his career where yeah. he could be uh completely At the service of something, Mm -hmm. and and do like, and I I don't well that doesn't sound right either because I think you know if he does make another film with Edgar and and well that
1: was my next question do you think they are gonna like do you think that message of like oh like you can't go back to the past we're all separate people now and different is that something that like is specific about the three of their relationships as well to each other I hope
0: not I hope not either I mean I know that you know Simon and Nick made. Paul. Yeah. And if they're working on something now, then that's even more encouraging. Yeah. I think that if they do make another film, it would have to be different. It would. Yeah. I don't think it'll be a genre pastiche in the same way. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it might just be a film about people in their forties. It might just yeah. be a movie. Yeah. Uh, instead of an uh, instead of uh, an experiment.
1: Right. Well, it would be wonderful to like kind of see how that sensibility unfolds. In something that's not like a genre piece. Yeah,
0: right? because what do you do? Like, yeah. if you don't have that net, if you don't have the security of, well, this is really about werewolves. Right. You know, yeah. if you have to actually just sit at a table and just do and like, have an emotional moment. Yeah. How do you do that? Yeah. I, I would be really curious to see if, um, having not seen Baby Driver, but I expect it's got a similar kind of energy. I think so. As that's yeah. certainly what people have been. Same in sort of in my periphery when I'm right. trying when, just before I clap my hands over my ears <laughs> and start yelling at them. Yeah, uh, but it's not, people aren't talking about it like a chamber piece. Right. Sure. And yeah. I want—I mean, I want Edgar to do whatever he wants. Yeah. Like literally. Right. Whatever he wants. Right. But I also would love to see what forty-five or fifty-year-old Edgar is interested would, yeah, in doing. that's right. Because you can't. I mean, you can be a kid forever. Right. You can continue to work in in your chosen field. Yeah. And I don't doubt that he will turn out great stuff. But yeah, yeah the world's end tells me there's more. Right. And that yeah. he's been think that they've both been thinking about this. Right. And there's
1: like an angst maybe about it. Or yeah. Something. yeah. And where
0: does that go? What does right. it mean? How does it manifest in this incredibly successful career? Right. I mean, I, I, I'm kind of hoping that whatever the next collaboration is that it's informed by not just their friendship but their real lives yeah that we get to exp- we that they get to explore mm-hmm. some of that because yeah. i don't know that they've done that yet i don't know that other than the most basic aspects of of Tim Bisley in in space where sure. you know he's he's someone who's deeply versed in pop culture but he's also a little bit lost mm-hmm. but that's that's who you were. Yeah, How you can't be that person anymore. You right. have to be someone else.
1: Right. You have to be who you are. Right. And they found like they found so much success doing what they do that, yeah, I wonder what that next. Yeah, is the impulse to keep doing that and try
0: to capture that. Although I suppose the other thing too is the films have never been that financially successful. Well, they've done well, but they're not massive. So yeah, they're not a straight jacket you Yeah, you yeah. Need to make Transformers five after Transformers. For sure. 4.
1: Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. They're they're always like definitely passion projects, right? Yeah. And they're yeah, that's really nice. They made them because they needed to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Out of some like internal desire that was eating them up. Right. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. which actually leads nicely into the final, the wrap question, which is always the same on the podcast, which is, is there anything of uh, of the trilogy that you have borrowed or lifted or referenced or absorbed into your own creative DNA? Sure. Um,
1: definitely the. I think well so so much. I feel like this could be the whole podcast. (laughs) Fine. Um, I mean, like very uh, like the most uh, basic uh, answer, or like the most I guess surface level answer to that is, um, in high school, I wrote a play about zombies that was um, kind that was definitely based on Shaun of the Dead and um, Martin McDonagh movies and plays like In Bruges and The Pillow Man, like his kind of. Sort of verbose, yeah, very thing, verbose, yeah. like almost like like Irish Tarantino esque, but that does him a disservice, right? To, okay. to describe it like that, but
0: it's yeah, it's the flavor, I guess.
1: Yeah, um, or like Mammoth kind mm-hmm. of esque. Um, but I wrote a play that was kind of exactly um, all those things combined, and that eventually turned into a play that um, was staged at the Factory mm-hmm, in October, yeah. um, called Dead End. So that was like that's the initial response. But I mean, honestly, the the idea that Shaun of the Dead taught me, um, both in watching it and seeing how, like, reviewers talked about it, because I was also really into, like, Rotten Tomatoes and all, and I know you're not supposed to read all those things, <laughs> um, but, like, it, it, it taught me that, um, like, comedy could reach a level of art right. in a way, and and it didn't have to be, like, the the lower end of, like, the creative spectrum. Like, it could be, like, comedy can be high art and um this trilogy really affirmed that for me and so i was i've always been interested in um finding humor and also finding pathos and like genuine emotion um and like and human like connection um and there are so many things like that that like to me kind of read as in line with um or like descendants of the cornetto trilogy okay um so i'm I'm trying to like Honestly, like Atlanta, the TV show Donald Glover's yeah, yeah. show, um, feels, in many ways, like very similar because it's this weird, like, very genuine but very surreal and very like strange. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is. It's thing. just
0: stylized enough. Right, yeah. To set itself apart without tipping over completely into, um, into artifice. Right. And um. And Get Out, I think, was
1: is the is the other one that I watched recently. Um, Jordan Peele's movie that. Um, again, it's, like, a comedian working with the genre, right? Yeah. And so there's, like, there's so many different, like, similarities, I think, that I've, like, kind of tracked um, along that. Um, but, yeah, I think it it also taught me that, like, comedy, yeah, it basically taught me that comedy is not, like, the lower form of art. That, that you can use that for, um, for really, really nice, like, human pieces, Damn. I guess. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well there's a thing in your I mean, just in the in the Twitter account, there's a Mm. thing in that sort of wriggles around in there, this yearning Mm -hmm. and and a melancholy that Mm. you you know really shouldn't be able to pack into 140 characters <laughs> and i'm i incredibly uh i'm impressed and and envious of the ability to oh, do that you. because to turn on a dime to uh-huh. you know to set up and pay off in that tiny space uh-huh. i'm i'm pretty good for insults but that's uh-huh.
1: about it right well i mean that those are kind of like studies on um like i think twitter's so amazing because um you really have to pack that that setup mm. really tightly yeah and the payoff is, and like the setup is almost like um, like a genre thing right um, and you always you like there's so many I love to play with joke formats and like take the, the format and set it up much in the way I get like I, it's like it's obviously an insult to them to like compare it to that but no, like in the this, way but
0: it's the same instinct right like, it's the same impulse which yeah. is so fascinating
1: yeah it's like the impulse to take like the zombie movie and then find like the comedy and pathos in that or to take like the joke format and um and like subvert that and find like the the real like heart in that Mm. um and like and like we were talking about um especially the first two but also the third there's um not a shyness to to finding that real human emotion being honest and and um celebrating that as opposed to like kind of scoffing at it or making fun of it or paying lip service to it yeah um and i that's like i think almost more than anything, that's what keeps me coming back to them, too, because there is such a... It's not just, like, this group of, like, smart guys showing off how smart they are, right? There's also, like, this very um, huge heart in each of them.
0: Yeah. The most the most basic way... I was trying to figure out a way to, to set it up in the in the intro, even. Yeah. And just all three of them have Simon Pegg being very lost. hmm And in the end, he finds his way out. Yeah. But it's never as simple and it's, it could be very, you can be very reductive and say, oh, guy grows up during a zombie uh, apocalypse or cop learns to be a better cop by being a worse cop or train wreck gets intervention from the universe. And you can say that, but it doesn't capture any of it. It's the flavor. It's the intelligence. It's the, it's the sense that there's a hand on the gear shift that, is going to move spastically and unexpectedly. Right. That you're yeah. going to be thrust forward. Yeah, it's like driving in a car with somebody. And this maybe this is the setup to baby driving. Yeah, exactly. You know, when I when I first learned to drive stick, uh-huh. I was in my 30s. Yeah, and it's counterintuitive to literally every instinct you have. Really? because you don't even use the brake. Sometimes and uh-huh. you can shift and move the car without having your foot on the brake okay. and it feels like at any moment you're going to kill somebody because <laughs> you'll hit the wrong you'll either put it into third or shoot forward or bunny hop sure. across an intersection yeah. and I like what the metaphor in my head is that last shot in Hot Fuzz where you just slam the gear shift down and take off yeah. and it is thrilling <laughs> and your whole body is vibrating because you don't have to steer right. he's got this yeah. like it's going to be good Right, and yeah, if if baby driver is really just Edgar right in the driver's seat while I'm next to him going, okay, yeah, now exactly. what? <laughs> yeah, take me places. I'm there, right? I'm so there. Yeah, and yeah. It's oh, it's so right. good to be able to relax into it and to know it's going to be okay. Yeah.
1: Well, there's also like, I, I, there's also one like thing that the like the man gets intervention from universe kind of description also doesn't fit because while the characters do grow, there also is a sense that they don't. Right? Yeah. Like, there's that sad. Um, very, like, bittersweet feeling where, like, they they kind of learned, but also, like, at the end of Shaun of the Dead, he's still basically the same person, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. so they kind of go through all this stuff, and there's, like, they learn a bit, but they also don't change. Um, and maybe that leads into Baby Driver as well, where, like, there's that, like, Edgar Wright has this, um, it's, like, this, it feels like this, like, stubborn confidence, and he I'm sure, as a filmmaker, he has to be very, like, stubborn and attached to his vision to I do all think, this yeah, stuff, yeah. right? um and it's it's just exciting when when that pays off in such a nice way where like everything he's doing he knows is like the right thing to yeah. do and you're just you're just along for the ride and you're just like take me to all these places yeah
0: yeah oh okay we well, just watch him again right now <laughs> exactly cool my thanks to johnny's son whose new book, Everyone's a Eliabon When You're in Eliabon 2, comes out next Tuesday, June 27th, wherever you buy your books. I pre-ordered my copy in Toronto at The Beguiling, if that helps. You can find Johnny on Twitter at johnnysun, all one word, and you can keep track of his book tour at johnnysun.com. That's Jomny with an M. He'll be all over the place in the next couple of months, stopping at the Strand in New York June 27th, at the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society in Cambridge, Massachusetts on June 28th, at the Book Warehouse in Vancouver on July 4th, and at the Toronto Reference Library on July 11th, in conversation with Auntie Donahue, who was the very first friend of this show. So, that's lovely. You can find Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, and The World's End on Blu-ray and DVD from Universal Studios Home Entertainment. They're also available on iTunes and Google Play, but, you know, the Blu-rays have all the extras, and... The extras are amazing. Oh, and keep an eye out for Baby Driver when it opens Wednesday, June 28th. I have seen it, and it's spectacular. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at movie.com. If you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, that would be very kind of you. Uh, Dexter would like you to know that dogs can look up. It's a fact. Thanks for listening. <laughs>